This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This is Emmett. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. You should just stop whatever you're doing right now and go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist. Don't stop listening. Stop everything else. Yeah. And go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Just in case it's a horrible show. Yes. (laughs) It's an emergency. Uh, Hello. How are you? Hi. I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. It only took a few takes. Yeah. uh, Where are you going to be this weekend, Hannah? I will be in Portland, Oregon on Friday night uh, to do a conversation, not a debate. It's not a debate. With uh, Christian apologist Sean McDowell, Uh and it's hosted by Justin Brierly of the podcast Unbelievable? Question mark. There's a question mark at the end of it. <laughs> so it's unbelievable? That's right. Some people read the, infl- <laughs> the inflection I, with their voices. I understand completely. <laughs> You're a robot. <laughs> um, so October 20th, I wanted to remind people, I announced this a while ago, but I'm going to be in Houston. Um, so I'm actually doing two talks. So uh, the 20th of October, I'm going to be at the Humanists of Houston. I'm going to do a roundtable with um, a couple other uh, female atheist Sweet. ladies. And then the 21st, I'm going over to Houston Oasis. Apparently, they have a bumping atheist scene down there. Look at that. And that one, I'm going to do a talk. Ask me if I've written my have talk written yet. I have not, yet? and all I'm right. very nervous about it. you got a month it. and a half. It's all good. <sighs> anyway, um, so I would like to start off <laughs> this show with um, two apologies. Well, not apologies <laughs> so much as two acknowledgments of my fuck-ups. Um, <laughs> number one. Now, this I don't feel super bad about because I asked several people in my immediate circle and everybody was as surprised as I was. <laughs> there are two fucking Billy Beans <laughs> in baseball. And I, like, this email from... so. All of the kind of corrections and nudges in the right direction I got were very kind and very understanding of like my general fuck upness. But this, this email sent me spirally, and I literally called my dad. I was like, "Did you know there are two Billy Beans? One played by Brad Pitt with an E, B E A N E, and one who is now the um, the gay. Oh fuck, what's it called? The." Um, Basically, a gay advocate for uh, MLB. I think he he's came a former out, player, right? He's a former player. He didn't come out until after he retired, and that is the the Billy Bean that um, Murphy on the Daniel co- Murphy. Daniel Murphy. Thank you, God. Yeah, this yeah. is terrible. Um, talked to and is now friends with is now like, oh yeah, I met one good gay, so I'm <laughs> great. So when you were um, referring to that, the good gay, the good gay, that was Billy Bean, the former player with but no e, b e a n. But both of us thought. At first, we it were talking about Billy Bean, the Oakland A's manager, manager who did Moneyball. Moneyball, played by Brad Pitt, which is one of my favorite baseball movies. The fact that there are two fucking Billy Beans <laughs> around the same age in baseball is the most upsetting thing I've heard in such a long time. It's, it's kind of like for a long time, I thought David Lynch and David Fincher were the same person. They're directors. They're two directors. David Lynch did Twin Peaks. David Fincher, it doesn't fucking matter. This is white people problems. It's... Yeah, it is. <laughs> anyway, it really kind of rocked my world. And I, 
would like to thank Beth K for the very <laughs> kind email that like li- I was eating dinner with my <laughs> husband and I'm a really good wife. So I was obviously checking my email. Right. And I just yelled at Mikey like, there's two Billy Beans. Because I literally had like text him the day before. I'm like, I didn't know Billy Bean was gay. He's like, oh, I didn't either. And we we're like, oh, that's kind of a cool subtext. I don't remember that money ball. To- it wasn't in Moneyball. Right. We're like, oh, isn't that a cool subtext to... <laughs> no, we're just fucking idiots and didn't know there were two Billy Beans. How? Never I'm again. I'm 32 years old. <laughs> I got my... Int- anyway, that really rocked my world. Um, the other thing was I may have spoken um, out of turn. I was... Uh, uh, so I was talking about the HPV vaccine. We, we talked about a study last week about... Um, one of the so HPV is an STI that can cause cervical cancer in women and have various other um, other side effects. Um, for and there, there's a and a lot of people said, oh, I'm not going to give my kid the HPV vaccine because they'll never have sex? Question mark. I don't know. People are cool. Anyway, so uh, w- this study we found showed that kids with HPV vaccine were no more or less likely to have sex than those who weren't. Um, and I said some, I, I don't think I went into it as well as I could. And I said something to the effect of like, I think you have to have it young. Cause I think you're supposed to have it before you're sexually active. That's not right. I think that was just my college roommate got it before <laughs> she had sex and told me that she had to. Um, so I just wanted to go through a couple kind of atone for my, for my sins, so to speak. So first of all, HPV is super common. Um, it, it, <laughs> point, uh, apparently about 79 million Americans have HPV, uh, most infected in their 20s. Um, it's an STI. Most doctors don't even might not test for it. Um, apparently, they might not screen HPV during a pap smear. Shit, I should call my doctor. Um, men can get HPV and pass it to their partners. Um, there isn't really a way to test men on it. Um, the vac- so basically, everything we said was wrong. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> say everything we said. No, just the thing about most of it. Okay. Anyway, so the HPV vaccine is good. Everybody should get it um, around... 12, both boys and girls. It's safe. It's been marketed since 2006. Um, the vaccine is a series of two shots, giving 6 to 12 months apart for ch- children 11 and 12. Com- should be completed by age 13. You can do it up until, I think, you're 21. Anyway, um, get your kids and or yourself vaccinated. Oh, kids shouldn't listen to this. Get your kids vaccinated um, so HPV doesn't hurt you. Moral of the story, don't take our medical advice. I would definitely say a good rule of thumb is to just go ahead and like double check anything I say (laughs) with regard to medicine or science or uh, I don't know, if I say a number, I would just double check it. That sounds good. Let's, okay, of all the things I want to talk about this week, the the weirdest one is coming from Donald Trump, that's not surprising. They announced, uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network's David Brody basically said, hey, by the way, tonight there is an evangelical dinner at the White House. Yeah, was this out not of, planned? Out this of was nowhere. Just... I, it wasn't announced. It turns out it was planned like six weeks at least, either six weeks or six months. It's been planned for a while. See, you got to check numbers, One of the guys. Other. I know. But it's been planned for a while, but it <laughs> happened this week. And before we knew that, part of it was, oh, look, Trump's going through all these scandals right now. So, of course, he's inviting his core constituents, the, the evangelical right. leaders, to the White House. Right. For what Brody described as like a state dinner, more or less, or at least it felt like that. Uh-huh. And he said it's going to happen tonight. The thing is... You could schedule this in advance as far as you want. It's always going to come after a week of Trump scandals. <laughs> so that part alone, Take not that, weird. Take that, Trump. Yeah, but basically this was a celebration of Christianity in the state dining room. 
And he just wanted to thank the evangelicals for everything they've done, which is really a way of thanking them for what they haven't done. That's exactly right. Speaking out against all the stuff he's done. To look in the other direction (laughs) for the next six months or so. Yeah. Now, in addition to the photo op version of that story, which is more or less all this was. Yeah. There's a few things that happened during it that were noteworthy. One of them that made me laugh at first is this. In the speech Trump made to these people, one of the things he wanted to point out is that in the dining room, like on the fireplace behind him, Uh there is uh, an inscription, like a carving, that includes a quote by President John Adams. So here's what he said. Trump said, here in the state dining room carved into this fireplace is the famous prayer of John Adams. It says, quote... I pray heaven to bestow the best of blessings on this house. And that's really what it is. This is an incredible house, blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing. That's not entirely what the John Adams quotation says. And there's a reason, I think, he did not say the full quotation. Is it petty to point out that John Adams obviously didn't say it about the White House because (laughs) the White House did not... Exist when he was time. president? Separate issue. Okay, petty. Yeah. Here's what the whole quote I just says. want to make sure everyone knew that I knew the White House wasn't built then. All right, you're on our trivia <laughs> team. Got it. Here's the full Adams quotation. I pray heaven to bestow the best of blessings on this house and all that shall hereafter inhabit it. May none but honest and wise men ever rule under this roof. Shut the fuck up. That's honest and wise men. Trump left that part out. Why? <laughs> Wait, but that wasn't carved on the fire. That, the whole thing was carved in the fireplace. The right? whole thing is oh, carved onto that. Funny, yeah. That's very good. Trump went. I don't know if off script is the right word, but he said. By some, the way, John Adams did move into the White House. Did he? You. You're fucking kidding did it me again. No. And I agreed with you for about a second. So whatever. What do I know? First of all, you're live fact checking me, which is necessary I and am. sad. Wait, <laughs> when was it built? I thought it wasn't built until like. Who knows? I didn't pay attention in that class. But he did move into it, so he was referring to the White I'm House. Sorry, but the point everybody. is, honest. So t- please don't tweet me. Oh my god. Honest and care. wise men ruling under the roof. Trump left that. That's part. That's a petty thing, but it's funny. It's very funny. <laughs> he also. <laughs> yeah. Um. He sort of like threatened the right if <laughs> we do if if the right does poorly in the the midterm elections coming up. He. I mean, what do they think the Democrats are going to do? He thinks that if Democrats win, we're going to riot like it's the Bulls winning a championship or something. That's not how Democrats operate, which is weird. Is Is that what he meant? Yeah, and here's the weird part about this. During the cameras are on, the, everyone's tweeting what's going on. He said the stuff about John Adams and a bunch of other stuff about, you know, the Johnson Amendment. I got rid of that, even though we didn't. He did all that for the cameras. When the cameras were off and the media left the room, uh-huh. he turns to these evangelicals in private, he thinks, and basically tells them, I'm going to, I'm quoting this because someone leaked audio of this to the press. Huh. He said to them, I just ask you to go out and make sure all of your people vote. Because if they don't, it's November 6th, if they don't vote, we're going to have a miserable two years, and then we're going to have, frankly, a very hard period of time, because then it just gets to be one election. You're one election away from losing everything you've got. And then he also went on to basically say, the left has Antifa, therefore they're going to riot and kill everybody. Wait, you missed my favorite part of his quote. Which part? So you're one election away from losing everything you've gotten, he added... Little thing. Merry Christmas, right? 
you couldn't <laughs> say Merry Christmas. I didn't have that written down. That's too yeah. bad because that was he an saved enter- Christmas. Thank you, Donald Trump. Part. Um, yeah. So yeah, he said if the GOP loses, they will overturn. They Democrats, they will overturn everything that we've done, and they'll do it quickly and violently. And violently, there's violence. When you look at Antifa and you look at some of these groups, there are violent people. These are violent people. He thinks that if Democrats win the House or the Senate, we're going to riot and kill people. Yeah. Which, which, with what, the guns we want banned? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, Here's my question. Yes. And maybe this is my ignorance for the 14th time in this very show. Yes. So he starts with, in this November 6th election, this November 6th election is very much a referendum on not only me, it's a referendum on your religion, it's a referendum on free speech, and on the first in the First Amendment, it's a referendum on so much. Is that what referendum means? Is he using that right? I mean, I think colloquially you could use is it. Is it? Right? Okay. Because... Sure. I feel like he's... People he means, are going to vote based on what they think about the past two years. So, yeah, we're basically... Yeah, I think that's... But right. isn't a referendum, like, a literal thing? It can be. As opposed... Like, sh- doesn't he mean election? No, it can be referendum. Okay. I mean, it's fine. I just read it, and it just didn't... <laughs> it's like he just learned the word but, referendum yesterday. By the way, for him to say, like, I repealed the Johnson Amendment, now I'm going to ask you all to v- get your congregations right. to vote, but wink, wink, vote for Republicans is what he's really saying. Like, that's literally the thing they can't tell their congregations to do if they want to keep their tax-exempt status, and they still can't do because Trump didn't repeal the Johnson Amendment, in theory, anyway. Right. So he's basically asking them, look, I need you to all break the law, tell your congregations to vote for anyone with an R after their name so that you can keep saying Merry Christmas. Yeah, he said, you have tremendous power. You are saying in this room, you have people who preached almost 200 million people, depending on which Sunday we're talking about, obviously. So he thinks he's like revving up his base. And and he definitely is. And it's the only base that's kind of still with him because these are the only people that refuse to condemn him in any harsh terms. So at least they'll provide a defense for anything that they're asked about. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, that happened while everything else was falling apart. And speaking of falling apart, segue, segue, uh, Pope Francis was in Ireland for the past, uh, well, Earlier this week, here's the, besides all the, the, he had to respond to the uh, Pennsylvania grand jury report. He didn't do a really good job of that. He's going through his personal drama, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh What interested me the most is there are so many pictures of the last time the Pope visited Ireland. This is Pope uh, John Paul II visited Ireland in 1979. That's the last time a Pope has been to Ireland? Yes. And it was... Massive crowds. If you look at the pictures, it's like, oh my goodness, everyone is trying to get their hands on the Pope, like Mm -hmm. in the Pope Mobile or whatever it is. The crowds listening to him give Mm -hmm. a mass are huge. Sure. And if you look at the overhead shots of Pope Francis doing that this time around, that is, it looked like Trump's inauguration. It's just mass green space or white space and not people on the ground. And the thing is, if you're, I think we talked about this, they had 500,000 tickets available to the crowd, free tickets, but you got to register for them, basically. Right. And there was a movement, like, what if we all say we want to go, but then nobody shows up? Oh, funny. That accounted for literally a couple thousand tickets, mm-hmm. and I have no idea how many of those people got them and then didn't show. But of those 500,000 tickets, like 130,000 people showed up. Which is 
you don't say there are 500,000 tickets available unless you think there's going to be like a million, million people, people who want yeah. them. Like, wow. These, this looked like Obama, uh, Trump's inauguration compared to Obama's. You know those pictures? Yeah. That's what it looked like. And it's just kind of telling you, even the Irish, who are like synonymous with Catholicism, right. are so fed up or with the sex scandals, uh, the sex scandals and the Magdalene laundries and all the horrible things that Catholic and the abortion stuff that yeah. the referendum that they had mm-hmm. was kind of in opposition to the church's position. Uh, they want nothing to do with the Pope, too, that's relatively wild. speaking. So that's a that's thing. really surprising. I mean, I would think, I would think. Even if people are kind of leaving the church, like the Pope coming to your country, if you're just like raised Catholic, that feels like something you would want to. Right. And even if you're not, it's like, oh, celebrity. I mean, the Pope is a celebrity. I want to go see that. And no, not really. Yeah. It's like if I was, if I were in Italy, I'd be like, yeah, I'll go see the Vatican. Like, I'd go check that out. (laughs) Right. Some shit in gold. I don't know. Um, That's really interesting. One person said, to put it in context, nearly 75% of the Irish population saw the Pope in 79. Wow. Like, that's how many people. And now it's a bigger country, but only the people who went to that big mass. 75%. Now 3%. Fuck. Yeah. So relatively speaking, like just you got the diehards who wanted to go see the Pope and the people who are like culturally Catholic or like, I go there, but seriously, you're. So fast. Yeah. They, they want nothing to do with this Intre- That's really, really interesting. Yeah. So that's kind of the backdrop of all the Catholic stuff that's happening. Even the Pope can't draw the same crowds wow. that, that this Pope used to draw. So the Pope came to the U.S., what, three or four years ago? No, it was, uh, yeah, something like that, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I'm curious, like, because I feel like so much has happened since then. Mm. I'm curious what, what, I mean, it was what still, it would look like out here. It, the fact that they're conservative on like LGBTQ rights and right. we knew about the sex scandals is one thing. That's why he had opposition when he came here too. Mm-hmm. But since then, we're talking detailed explanations of what these priests yeah, did it's hard in to mass s- numbers. It's hard to plead ignorance on it. Yeah. And I think, I think this is after the U.S. visit. I could be wrong about this. Uh, with the Magdalene laundries were like these nuns uh, in Ireland, basically, women who were knocked up, they basically took their babies and killed a lot of them. Oh, and they found yeah. the graves and stuff like Jesus that. Christ. This stuff has come to light in the past several years. So Ireland's fed up with the church because they're discovering the horrors yeah. of the Catholic Church. Too. Oh, and by so the way, sad. while all this is going on, this other story develops, which is that um, an Italian archbishop, Carlo Maria Vigano, he basically, Vigano. Vigano, he puts out a letter saying, hey, by the way, Pope Francis knew about the abuse allegations against Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, who's mm-hmm. one of these guys implicated in the Philadelphia scandal. He knew about it and he did nothing, which is a pretty damning accusation. Yep. Um, and by the way, it's not, it's not entirely not believable or anything because no. like, so someone higher up in this hierarchy had to know this shit was going on. If not everyone. Um, and the question is, how high up did it go? The Pope is already has pressure to uh, get rid of another guy, Cardinal uh, Donald Wuerl in Washington, D.C. But here's the issue. This is why this is kind of amusing to me as, a, as an outsider. It's not just the accusation, because whether or not it's true, I, I, who knows? But the issue is the guy who's making this accusation is like the Pope's arch nemesis in the church. Really? Yeah. 
this guy hates Pope Francis, and we know that for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's been accused, uh, Vigano has been accused of putting a stop to an investigation into another pedophile priest, uh, another archbishop in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And remember when Kim Davis was a thing, the Kentucky lady, <laughs> mm-hmm. the county clerk? There was a time when she was kind of all over the media when the Pope was coming to the U.S. Uh-huh. a few years ago that the Pope met with Kim Davis. Do you remember that headline? Yes. Who arranged that? Vigano, because he was the ambassador from the Vatican to the U.S. at the time. Whoa. So, like, this guy arranged that. And if you remember, if you remember that story, the Pope had no idea who the hell Kim Davis uh-uh. was. He's just going where his handlers tell him to go. And they said, this lady, she's whatever, fighting for her religious freedom. And so he goes and he shakes her hand and takes a photo or whatever he does. Right. Doesn't have any clue what's going on. And, and she's remember, she's not Catholic. She's not Catholic, but she, but he's a big religious sure, leader sure, and sure. she's fighting for religion. That's why this was happening. And the thing is, afterwards, the Pope is like, I didn't realize this was a shit storm. Yeah. Like, and the last thing this Pope wants to do is get in a fight against against gay people for merely existing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's against their rights and stuff, but not the Kim Davis style. So he hated it, and Vigano's the guy who set that up and was subsequently fired because of it. <laughs> so anyway, this guy, well, this he's, guy has a beef with Pope Francis. Pope Francis he, has a beef with him. But he also leveled accusations at Benedict as well, the, the prior pope. So like this, I mean, it's somewhat targeted at Francis, but it's a little scattershot as well. Like, I think... I, I, he said I'm, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth put sanctions of some sort on McCarrick, who was accused of covering up this abuse. Uh-huh. And Vigano says Pope Francis took away those sanctions, in, in effect, letting this guy off the hook. Right. That's, the, that's one of the accusations. So Vigano is calling on Francis to retire. Yeah. Resign. Which, Get out of here. Resign is yep. a much more fitting term than retire. <laughs> That's not a thing. Um, which is wild because, I mean, obviously Benedict res- retired, resigned, stepped down. But other than that, it's not too normal, right, To for a pope to step down. Usually it's a Yeah, it's, it's rare. It's a lifetime until you're dead, which is... And Benedict was weird because he did step down before he was... Unable he's still, to do I it. haven't heard that he's died yet. No, he's still around. Interesting. Still I, wonder, around. I wonder how he's doing. He hasn't checked <laughs> in for a while. Anyway, I mean, so what do we think? Is this representing fissures in the Catholic yes, Church? Yes, and it's beautiful because <laughs> this is the sort of like inside Vatican drama that yeah. is supposed to remain inside the Vatican. Yeah. And this is just all out for everybody to see, and it's glorious. Oh, it's definitely a lot <laughs> of airing of laundry. Another thing... Uh, in Vigano's 11-page letter, he also blasted Chicago's archbishop, uh, plays Supich, and he basically said, Supich basically said, homosexuality is not the reason these kids got, mo- like, they well, were molested by mm-hmm. these priests. It's not because the priests were gay. It's about abuse. Yeah. He said the right things. Yeah. Vigano blasted him. Cool, Vigano. Because he's Fucking like, take how no dare, prisoners, yeah, my dude. How dare you not blame homosexuality? That is totally <laughs> at the center of this. He's just firing yeah, man. all the progressive. If I'm going down, I'm taking everyone with me. It's so fun. Wow. So do keep you, fighting, y'all. Do you think that the Catholic Church as we know it is going to exist 50 years from now? Yeah. 
And, and I'll tell you I why. Do too. Because it's too big and too rich to just you mean fall off the face too of the big earth. To fail. Yes, because it's not just going to disappear. There's too much infrastructure that for it to just well, go away. What's going to happen to the churches and the schools? No, no, no. And the I'm people? not saying is Catholicism going to go, but like as we know, this hierarchical structure that is focused in the Vatican and and I, provides I this system of cover-up and this ability to shift people around. I would not be surprised if there were some big modifications to it, such as maybe we let priests get married. Maybe right. we let women become priests. I would not be surprised if they went that radical step. But you think the, but the, the papal structure will... It's not going to go away. That's the only thing they re- like. That's what they have going for them. That we've been around forever yeah. with this structure. That's like saying, do we really need a pope? It's it's almost archaic at this point. Yeah, but it's the one thing they got going. That this is a tradition that's been going on for so long. So we're gonna keep this thing going because that's why you come to us because we've been doing it this way for thousands of years. Yeah. So I don't think. Do it's you know internationally anyway. what? I mean, obviously, we just talked about Ireland, and we know what's going on in the U.S., but, like, internationally, is the Catholic Church facing as much scrutiny as, like, we're sort of aware of right now? Yes, because the same uh, I know the same scandals are happening there. The same drama is happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, honestly, the stuff that's happening in the U.S. right now, they're going to start investigating the stuff in their areas, too, because if, if the shit that we learned, we talked about a week or two ago... Two weeks. ...happened in Pennsylvania... Right. Think about what's happening in entire nations anywhere. Yeah. So I, the Catholic Church is having a hard time everywhere, mm-hmm. as it should. It deserves to. So the question is, where will, you know, where will they change the church? Where will they allow modifications to happen? How will they react to this? And whose call is that to make? Can the Pope do that single-handedly? Uh, in theory, some of it, sure, but he's but, not. But bishops have power. Archbishops have power. Cardinals have power. Like... They can all do some things within their boundaries, yeah. I guess, within the rule book. Because it's not to say, like, we know, like, obviously the, the, the Catholic Church has been around for a very long time. But let's... But they could not transfer priests to different places. They could make sure if someone is accused that that person is not working for them and they investigate Right. But, but what I was going to say is it, let's not pretend that nothing has changed in the last however long. No. Because it used to be all uh, masses were in Latin and things like that, and they right. changed it. So the, the Catholic Church isn't immune to evolution. The question some, is... Yeah, symbolic evolution in some ways, and sometimes meaningful evolution in others. But realize that a lot of the Catholic people disagree with the, the Catholic Church. I mean, right. on issues, And that's yes. what I'm saying. It's like people who were going to church in the 60s didn't speak fucking Latin, right. so that's to retain their numbers and thereby their power, they had to evolve with the time somewhat. Is this going to be another element of that? In, you know, in 50 years, are we going to be like, oh my God, do you remember? I mean, you know, this is hardly an answer to that, but it's like, well, they haven't been molesting as many people lately. How do we know? Uh, because the allegations that have come forward, the people who are willing and have the courage to speak out now, uh-huh. they're all people who say, I was molested decades ago. Very few are saying it's happened more recently, even if they're young and they are aware. Like, even if churches say, look, if you have any stories on any of our priests, tell us. The people who are coming forward, yes, they're older and they have the hindsight to know what happened and how it affected them. But there's a reason that people tend to not come out with these things till they're older, that they've 
learned to cope with it and felt comfortable talking about it. If somebody's walking around who's our age, who's in their 30s, and is, hasn't emotionally hit that point yet, right. then like right. we could see another wave of this in 15, 20 years. Now, the other part of this is, even if you haven't heard the stories, the, the concern is not necessarily that it's still going on. It's that systemically they haven't found a way a good way to really handle it. What are they doing with people who are accused? What are they doing to rectify the things they used to do? That's true. That we don't have an answer to. As far as accusations go, yeah, they're older for the most part. I have kind of a segue from that. Are we, do you have anything else no, on the Catholic go Church? For it. So the the way what you just said kind of made me think of the idea of like they've more or less admitted wrongdoing, but haven't done much about it. Yeah. I'm going to segue that into Louis C.K. Okay. Who's back on the comedy scene. Yeah. Finally, those nine months were really hard for him. <laughs> um, so it, so if you don't know, Louis C.K. is a stand-up, is and was immensely popular. I was a fan of his for a long time. Um, over the um, over the course of his career, and like this, these are rumblings that have been going on for as long as I've known who he was. I've heard shit. But it turned out he was um, making women, whether women, whether fans or fellow comics, watch him masturbate. Um, and he was kind of like, oh, I didn't realize it wasn't consensual. Just like, did the half-hearted apology. He apologized. Has done nothing to, like, atone for it or make it better or do whatever. Um, and then apparently this past weekend or so, he popped up in some... Stand up. Went to the showcase. comedy cellar. Was it the in comedy cellar? Yep. And did a surprise set, which is kind of fucked up on a few reasons. Because like, I want I whether or not he should come back to comedy is separate from maybe he shouldn't just surprise people coming back to comedy. Maybe his comeback should be like people who want to see him, not like I'm gonna force myself on r- unsuspecting viewers. Exactly. Hey. Um so the problem is so there's been this very annoying dialogue about about this. So my thought is, th- wh- what I hear is, well, how long is long enough? Like, what does he have to do to, to atone, blah, blah, blah. The problem is, he has done zero things to atone. We can't have a conversation about, like, what does one have to do to re- the, to be able to reintroduce himself successfully into the comedy scene or the, or the kind of publish, public consciousness we can have that conversation if he's done a single fucking thing. Because the problem with people like Louis C.K. is when they establish themselves as predators, what they're doing is sending off these ripple effects of women are afraid to be around him so they don't do the the shows that he's going to be at and thereby miss out on opportunities. And it's, it, it's, it's further than, oh, it made women uncomfortable. Oh, he's actually assaulted women. So the problem, the thing is he has a lot of options. He could have done so many things. He could have... He could have worked harder to promote other women. He could have sought out women whom he harmed and did something for them. He could have donated money to domestic violence. He could have done a million things. He did zero things. All he did was like hide until we stopped thinking about him for five minutes because we're busy with other shit, <laughs> and then reappeared. And literally, I've seen this 17... And apparently he made a rape joke in his very first oh, setback. And I swear to fucking God, some assholes on the internet literally said the words to me, well, he didn't technically rape anybody, so it's okay for him to make a rape joke. So what this says to me is, A, men don't give a shit about women if it means they don't get to see a thing they like sometimes, and B, he's learned literally nothing. He's learned zero things. Because if I 
like, if I stabbed somebody, and they didn't die, but I stabbed somebody, my first joke back into stand-up isn't going to be about <laughs> murder. I think I just want to disassociate myself with those words and that concept. He could have, like, there's ways he could eventually reintroduce, I have no interest in seeing right. him. I'm fucking done with him. But, like, and also, he's a fucking millionaire. He'll be he, fine. Yeah, I think that's, uh, Roxanne Gay in the New York Times had a really good piece Roxanne talking Gay about... Things he could theoretically do, yeah. none of which he's actually done, which is, okay, if you want to atone for it, what are you going to do for Here women in comedy? 17 suggestions yeah. for you. Yeah, do yeah, yeah. a one Any of them. Any of them, yeah. Uh, um, so anyway, it's just... And again, this is all based on one pop-up 15-minute set yeah. at a comedy store. And somebody at, else at is making a comeback, set. too. Um, Aziz did a thing. Aziz, uh, I have mixed iffy, feelings about yeah. the Aziz thing. Um, anyway, it's just... My, I think my favorite take on it has been in general lists of like, here's 25 comedians you can enjoy who didn't make anybody watch them masturbate against their will. Like, you don't, I get it. He's, he's talented. He's, he's an extraordinarily talented comic. That does not excuse his monstrous behavior. And it doesn't excuse the comedy and culture and opinions and voices that he's taken away from us by making comedy an unsafe space for women. And that's what I've got to say about that. Slow clap. You can't say slow clap. It's just oh, like the sorry. question mark thing. You're sorry. supposed to do things with your voice and body. I don't do grammar. <laughs> uh, here's, hey, it's the same subject. It's all good because nothing good happens anymore. Let's talk about masturbation in the Mormon church. Um, here's, Didn't we talk about that already? We have in the past. Here's the deal. The, there are bishops in the Mormon church, I'm sorry, or whatever they're calling it today. Temple. Um, they have these oh, things. Oh, not Mormon. What was it? Uh, church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And also. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. Whatever they want to call it. The bishops interview. They hold interviews in their areas with like, they're called worthiness interviews. They talk to kids and they're like, tell me about your attendance at church and your testimony. And are you really faithful? And, and all that stuff. Are you adhering to religious rules? How often are you jerking it? <laughs> did they ask the that? weird thing is that they did get into those yep. kinds of questions and people have been talking about this like these bishops some of them have been meeting with kids as young as eight and literally these are the questions that have come up like do you touch yourself no have you had sex with some Stop of the, the same gender <gasps> did you orgasm how Whoa. often what positions were you <gasps> in like it's intrusive and unnecessary and pervy and like, what the hell are you doing? So they've basically been dubbed the Mormon masturbation interviews. And did you orgasm? Yeah. What positions yes. did you use? This is what some of them have asked. So a man named Sam Young, who is a former Mormon bishop, but yeah. still a Mormon, but a former bishop, has been on this warpath saying, hey, church, either stop doing these interviews or at least change the rules to either like, I'm never asking you about sex... Or, or a parent if, is in the room. Or a parent is in the room during all times. These are not weird. What are they weird. doing with this information, Hammond? Let me tell you what they're doing oh, with this know? information. Sam Young just got a letter from the Mormon church two days ago that said, hey, you we're pretty much going to excommunicate you from the church because, and I'm quoting here, you've done two things, encouraged others to vote opposed to church leaders... What? Because uh, sign a petition that says they should do this, I think. 
like vote to oppose church. So like within Mormonism. Within Mormonism, okay. you try to get people like stirred up against the church. Got it. Okay. And secondly, you organize more than one public action, in quotation marks, that expressed opposition to the church or its leaders. So you're stirring shit from within. So they're thinking about excommunicating this guy. And part of me is like, who the fuck cares if he's excommunicated? It's like... What does that have to do with asking kids about jerking it? Yeah, they didn't address that. By the way, Sam Young is on a 23-day hunger strike to protest the things that the Mormon church is doing. Um, And so here's the thing. First of all, he even wrote kind of snarkily on his blog... Fast 23 days, stand up to protect children, speak out against a dreadful policy, work to help the healing of countless kids who are severely wounded behind closed doors, document the horrors, apologize, and what do you get? Excommunication. After all, we are the Mormons. At least we used to be. Um, September 9th is when they're going to decide his fate. He's allowed to bring witnesses. or It's like a trial within the church. And by the way, if you're wondering, like, who the hell cares if he's... It's like a Catholic church or someone saying you're going to hell. Like, it doesn't really bother me that much. Right. It's the idea more than it is the thing. But would he have to leave the church? Or has he already? Well, here's the thing. he said he's still Mormon, but no longer a bishop. He says he's still a Mormon, and I'm not going to doubt that. But here's what that means if you're still a Mormon. Okay. That means your baptism and all the things you've done within the church, the ordinances, the the time you've spent learning, uh, doing rituals that are supposed to help you get into the celestial kingdom in the afterlife wiped away all of it. So if you believe Uh that this is the stuff you need to do to get into heaven, suddenly the church is saying, nope, none of it counts anymore. You didn't do any of that shit. Oh my God. So it's traumatic, I guess, in a way, if you are a believer in any of that nonsense. And if, and that's what he says he is. So that would be a big deal in his eyes. For us, it's like, good for you. You got excommunicated. Like it's a badge of honor. That's great. Now the other fear and I don't really know how warranted this is, but maybe it's like, well, some Mormons might be willing to listen to this guy and his criticism and his protest because he's one of them. And if the church says, you're not part of us anymore, mm. he loses that legitimacy. That's a good point. But I was speaking to one Mormon activist today trying to figure out, like, would it really matter if he's excommunicated for that reason? And they were like, you know, most Mormons are aware of what he's saying and they've heard him already. It's like they made up their mind. So if he gets excommunicated now, they would still have the same opinion afterwards. So it's not like he's somebody who got kicked out or left and then became a rabble rouser. Right. He is, he's one of them right now. Yeah. He's within okay. right now. And the thing is, like, you either agree with him or you don't if you're a Mormon now. Yeah. And it's like him being excommunicated will just be like, a well, yeah, he kind of deserved it or he shouldn't have been. But you already made up your opinion. Right. So you made up your mind on it. So whatever. But the fact that they're punishing this guy for raising this issue... That's- to which Wild. the Mormon church has not like responded adequately. Uh, it's still going on. Like The church should fix the problem. Yeah. Instead, they're just trying to punish the guy who brought the problem to light, which sounds very Trumpian in a way. It's very Trumpian. It's very... <laughs> like we got to like, kick out the whistleblowers yeah, and no, punish exactly them. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Not the, pe- not the actual issue. Oh, yeah, so. is Okay, I have a question. Yeah. And I was trying to talk about... I was talking to my friend Anne about this, and I can't put my finger on it. So it feels to me like we're living at a really pivotal time. It feels like so much is happening that is bigger than, oh, this year, this one person said this dumb thing. We're seeing this creeping fascism. We're seeing these churches all of a sudden start to get hollowed out in a way that 
I don't know we've seen before. And I am trying to figure out whether it is that sort of inherent narcissism of like the time you're living at is the most important time in history or the most important time in the century. The same way people say like every election is the most important election. Mm-hmm. Or like does and does every generation like do my parents think like the shit that went, you know, the culture counterculture in the 60s was that the biggest shift in American culture? Well, I think keep this in mind for religion anyway. The, the sh- sort of stuff we're seeing now is possible. We said when the internet became a big thing, it's like in- the religion can't stay in a bubble anymore. Yeah. If you have questions or doubts about your faith, you can go online and find answers to this stuff. Yeah. And you realize, oh, there are good answers that my pastor isn't telling me. Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal. And we saw that rise in people who are non-religious. Mm-hmm. Here's what's happening now, I think. Because not only is the information out there for anyone to see, it's it's on top of itself because people see it and they're like, oh, this traumatic thing that you went through, I went through as well. Mm-hmm. I, we need to talk about this because there's probably others like us. We're not in the bubble. So it's not just that the information's available. Uh-huh. It's that people who see it are speaking out as well. Right. So it's, it could not have happened yeah. in religion anyway 20, 30 years ago because everyone thought they were the only ones yeah. in a way. And so this is even more than just the internet coming along. It's the internet plus everyone speaking out. Yeah. And you realize, oh, I have a story about this as well. Yeah, because, I mean, what the internet... So it's unique to this time, I think. Because what the internet effectively does does is give everyone a microphone. And, like, yeah, that stirs up a lot of shit. But at some point, people find each other. And, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just curious. I'm just... Dying of curiosity to know, like, in 20 years, what are we going to think of 2016, 2018, 2020? Yeah, yeah. It's a fair question, and I, I'm very curious how it goes. I, we, I do want to talk about one study that came out, yeah. which, may be rele- which might be relevant to that in a little bit. Um, I do have another story that is frivolous in a way, because okay. it's not probably the biggest deal in the world. Good, because I have two but, that are heavily depressing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> If you go to the Hollywood Community Police Station, this is part of the LAPD, Uh so police station in Hollywood, someone went in there recently and took some pictures, and he sent them to, he sent them to me, because I saw the pictures, and he sent them to American Atheists, because they have a legal division, Uh and basically what he saw was, hey, there's a kiosk, like a display, flanked by pamphlets and whatnot, that someone just put in here, Mm -hmm. and it's promoting Scientology. What? Out of, out of nowhere. Like, the the TV... It says, you know, we're doing this... Uh, the pamphlets are like, let's help the youth, and let's cleanse your body no. of drugs, and here's how to achieve happiness. Did you post about this? Yeah. Thanks for reading. And so... I can't read. I have to find is, my own stories. So... And the, I literally can't read. They put this kiosk up there, which... How the hell... Someone... That means someone either asked for permission or did it in the middle of the night or something in a police station. Whoa. What's more likely? They got permission from somebody to put it up there. They did put it up there. And after it, they complained about it, American Atheists sent the LAPD a letter saying, what the hell? Get rid what of this. What the hell indeed? This is promotion of religion. And within <laughs> a couple... How many shares your thing got? <clears throat> 666. <laughs> devil. Thank you. Go ahead. (laughs) American Atheists got a response within a couple days. They asked for two things. One is they're like, this is illegal. We could sue you. Uh Fix this. And second, we want all the public records about this kiosk. Who who asked for it? Who said yes to them? Who watched it go up? Um, All this stuff. We want to know who's responsible for this within the police department because it's a public record. Uh 
they got a response from someone at the LAPD saying, look, we took that one down. We also know that there are no other kiosks promoting Scientology or any other religion anywhere in the LAPD because we looked into that. So that's good. They took it down as soon as they were made aware of the problem. Uh-huh. But then the second thing they said is, we don't have any public records. Of it. There are none about this kiosk. Really? So how yeah. did it end up there? That's a very good question, Thank how you. it ended up there. And so according to uh, Jeff Blackwell, who is their staff attorney at American Atheists, um, he, he basically said, look, we, we are pleased that they took immediate action because it's inappropriate there. Uh-huh. At the same time, I'm paraphrasing here, he's like, who, who did this? Who said it's okay? Yeah, how did that... And the only answers I've come across since this story kind of went public, including from Leah Remini, the Scientology yeah. uh, whistleblower in uh-huh. a sense, is that there are so many Scientologists within the Hollywood Police Department. Yeah. It's entirely possible someone within the church is like, yeah, it's cool. Like just and wow. gave it an okay. And once they got caught, they had to take it down or something. God, Scientology is one of those things that like, I almost forget there are actual Scientologists because yeah. it just, it feels like such a punchline and slash or a thing that only weird celebrities do. Yeah. And then it's like, oh my God, a cop is a, is a Scientologist? That's... Many. Cops? Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Well, that's fun. So, so yeah. it's gone now. So it's gone so, for now. <laughs> thanks, American Atheists. That's wild. Okay, I have two yeah. depressing stories. They're both about violence in children. Oh, good. So I guess buckle up. Okay. Uh, so the first one is uh, from Oklahoma, um, and it's a boy and a girl. For he's fourteen, she's sixteen. Um, they were friends. He apparently wanted her to be his girlfriend, and she either wasn't aware or just didn't want to. So he stabbed her eleven times in a school assembly. During? Yeah. Um, so it was Luther High School, so we don't have their names because they're, they're minors. Um, so they're in an assembly. She didn't see him as he moved into a seat behind her at an assembly, and then he stood up and began stabbing her with a four-inch folding knife. Um, she survived. She's, uh, I think she's going to be fine from what I can see. Um, she sa- she's shocked. She said she liked him as a friend, but nothing more. Um, Oh, no, he did. Okay, so he did say he wanted a closer relationship with her, but she declined, saying that she liked him as a friend, not anything more, and that they want, she wanted them to remain friends. She had no idea he was holding any ill will toward her, um, and she was absolutely shocked that he would do that. Um, so it's incredibly sad and terrifying. Um, and in um, a news station, I didn't write down, it's KOCO, um, they aptly said, uh, so Jennifer McCleary-Sills, Uh, told Mike in 2016 um, that it's another, or she used it as an example of, um, it's one of the cases where, one of many cases where boys and men have attacked girls and women for romantic and sexual rejection and attacks that some leave, attacks that sometimes leave women and girls dead. Um, So anyway, it's just another in a list of men who react to, men and boys, God, who react to rejection of any sort um, by violence. So, anyway, that's... Well, that's disturbing. Yeah, it's a really upsetting story, and it, it and that's why if 
one more dude says, how come a girl, if a girl's interested, why doesn't she just say no? It's because... She'll get stabbed repeatedly. Because apparently you'll get stabbed in the fucking back at school. So let's work on that as a society that maybe men need to learn that no isn't is an answer sometimes and that's how it goes. Um, this other story is um, <clears throat> also upsetting, also concerns a kid. Um, a nine-year-old boy named uh, Jamel Miles, uh, um, he uh, killed himself just days after coming out to his classmates. He was nine years old. Um, we're just starting the school year right now uh, in the U.S. Um, he was a fourth grader at Joe Shoemaker Elementary School. Um, apparently, he told his mom, uh, Leah Pierce, that over the summer uh, he came out to her. And she said, quote, he looked so scared when he told me. Um, he was like, Mom, I'm gay. And I thought he was playing. And I looked back because I was driving. He was all curled up, so scared. And I said, I still love you. She also said his son wanted to tell his classmates. And so he went to, quote, he went to school. And he's going to tell people he's gay because he's proud of himself. And then four days into the school year, um, she found him dead in their home. Jesus. Um, she said, quote, four days is all it took. I could just imagine what they said to him. My son took my, told my oldest daughter that the kids at high school told him to kill himself. I'm just sad he couldn't come to me. So um, the, a take that I saw about this is when people say that, um, you know, if you're six or nine or 12, there's no way you can know you're gay yet. Apparently that's not young enough to be told by school bullies that you should fucking kill yourself for being gay. So, like, maybe let's focus on that. And they know to of, bully you for being gay. Yeah, they know it's not. bad because... Anyway, um, yeah. so that was rough and it's sad and it just is another reason that we need to work as a culture of not just accepting but embracing people and um, not allowing this homophobic bullshit to continue because of the boys will be boys. Homophobia isn't innate. It's learned. So um, we need to do better. That's depressing. Yeah, sorry. Here's a different kind of depressing. Um, <laughs> I don't do that quiz either. No. Uh, there's a 97-year-old televangelist who's he's been around forever. 97 years? 97 years. Uh, his name is Ernest Angley. He is from Akron, Ohio. He's the head of Grace Cathedral Church. I've heard from a lot of people who saw this guy on TV growing up. Uh, he's one of those guys who will put his head on your forehead and, you know, now I healed you, that sort of guy. Okay. Um, he's being sued. And I'll tell you about that lawsuit, but it's, I had to go back and search my own records in what I've written about this guy because I'm like, I've heard his name before. He's done other shit too. Uh-huh. And he has many times over. Really? For example, a few years ago, members of his church uh, sued him because he had them work in the Cathedral Buffet restaurant which is theoretically an extension of his church, uh-huh. but it's its own for-profit restaurant. Okay. It's just a business. He asked church members to serve like as waiters and staffers. Like as volunteers? Uh, he said they were volunteers. They never got paid. Really? And they're like, but if you go into the restaurant, you would have no idea that they're volunteers. They're doing all the stuff paid staff is supposed to do. Interesting. And they were like, we want to get paid for all of this. And the sad part is Angley actually won the case <gasps> because the appeals court said, according to Ohio law, the minimum wage laws that apply, they only work if employees expect to get paid. 
and these people thought they were doing it for the church, and so the law doesn't apply to them. Fuck that noise. Yeah. Then, like last year, there was another woman who a, a lawyer sued on her behalf. She was 76 years old, had dementia, uh-huh. and she just, she never went to his church. Maybe once she sat in or something, uh-huh. and then suddenly she wrote a check to the church, his ministry, for $340,000. What? And basically the argument from her family is like, She's dem- she has dementia. She doesn't want to give you that money. And so anyway, but he coerced it out of her, basically. That was really? the argument. And by the way, this, that same week, uh, a bank tried suing him because he asked for a $3.6 million loan that he never paid back. This guy is just full of lawsuits that make him look horrible. Jesus. The latest one is, here's the thing, the Akron Beacon Journal newspaper, they have a relig- religion reporter named Bob Dyer. He wrote extensively about Angley for uh, a year or two ago. Critically, I about assume. Critically, okay. about all these things that he's done. It was like a multi-part series. And there was a guy who worked with Angley who I guess didn't really want to talk um, there were reports that he had violated this other pastor. The pastor's name is Brock Miller. Uh, Brock Miller, the, the report said he had been violated, but there were no charges or anything like that. Physically, sexually? Yes. Okay. Uh, but there were no, there was no lawsuit. There were no charges filed or anything. And he didn't, the, Miller did not want to speak to Joe Di- uh, Bob Dyer for the article. Right. Okay. So several months passed by, and Brock Miller, who has moved away uh, years ago, he moved away from Ohio, trying to start his life up again. I guess he was still traumatized by everything that's still going on. So he contacted the journalist. He's like, I'm ready to talk. Drives up himself back to Ohio to the newspaper office and shares, spills his story oh my to the reporter. So they have it on video and, yeah. and the article came out. And basically what happened is this guy was a kid, had to be, when Angley basically said, come, you are like one of us now or whatever. And one of the things he did is he kept telling Brock Miller, come over to my place. I got to massage you or you got to massage me or something. Angley had him undressed and touched him all over. Jesus. And the reason Miller let him do it is he thought he was receiving a special anointing. And by the way, this went further than that because Brock Miller at some point uh, has a girlfriend. And what does... And he tells Angley, because why wouldn't he? He's pastor. He trusted him. Angley's like, you need to get a vasectomy. What? Which apparently is something he told a lot of men in his church to do. And what came out eventually is like, why is he telling all these men to get vasectomies? Why? That seems cultish. Yeah. And I think, according to some of them, a former member said it's because if you had babies, they would take time and money away from the church. So he didn't want any of his church members to have babies. He wanted them focused on him instead. This guy's a monster. Dude. Yeah. And by the way, before they had vasectomies, he had to personally inspect them. Fuck off. Uh-huh. Before and after, sure. even though he has no medical anything. Sure. So he did that to Brock Miller, too. And Brock Miller said he had to disrobe. Brock Miller said he, has to ma- he had to masturbate in front of Angley to see if it was working. Mm, yeah. Does, this happened a dozen... Does he know that after you have a vasectomy, you still produce... Yep. Okay. The, and the thing is, he, he kept doing it because he trusted Angley and he thought Fuck. this is what God wanted. You can't blame him for that. He didn't know any better, but Angley did. The preacher would have Brock Miller stripped naked, lie on a circular bed while 
Angley massaged him. Angley also said, this is when Brock Miller was 17, there's a 15-year-old girl in the church choir. You got to marry her. And he did <gasps> when it was legal in the state of Ohio when he was 19 and she was uh, 17 oh and legal God. age. You know, I, They did that, but not before he got the vasectomy. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's just, it's totally messed up. And so all of this happens. Um, a couple years later, Miller had a random rash appear on his body. It happens. Angley told him that must be due to lack of sex, which wasn't the case. He was sleeping with his wife. Also, but then, what the fuck? Yeah. And Angley said, you should come by my house for another inspection. No, no, no. Yeah. no At this no. point, by the way, he's 21. Angley's 85. And this is what Brock Miller is telling the journalist. He's kept this in for a long time. And he finally says to the reporter, it was so creepy and gross. It was a horrible, horrible moment. I wanted to get this over with so I can get on my way. So anyway, he has since gotten a divorce. It was amicable, but he's done with that relationship. Tried to get away from everything. He did drugs. I think he got over that too. Uh-huh. Um, and now he's suing the hell out of Angley. Good. Yes. Uh, so the lawsuit has now been filed. It's the first uh, time he's kind of going forward with this because he realized he, he can't just run away from this. Right. He needs to confront it. And we don't know how much they said the lawsuit seeks unspecified compensatory and punitive damages, but Angley's rich. Yeah. Go after him. Go get him. Jesus. So that's fucked up. Wow. Do you want one more frivolous silly one? Um, can I do my Please. non-frivolous silly one first? Yes. Um, so we all know about the Russian bots that took over social media, apparently, in, like, 2016. Essentially, Russia unleashed a bunch of um, Facebook social media accounts with the specific intent of swinging the election uh, in favor of Donald Trump. That's, I would argue, pretty settled at this point. Yeah. I think there are people who would still take exception, but not smart ones. Um, apparently, they had a another sort of side quest <laughs> in addition to the election uh, Russian bots also sought to sow discord around vaccinations oh, yes. um, there was a study published in the American Journal of Public Health um, and they found that these bots promoted divisive speech and misinformation surrounding vaccinations um, the authors said that these trolls seem to be using vaccination as a wedge issue promoting discord in American society um, and they pointed out that while uh, while the research found that posts le- relating to vaccinations represented a small proportion of the total sent out by the accounts, so it wasn't the bulk of it wasn't about vaccinations, but some. Um, it does provide insight that Russian disinformation campaign did not focus strictly on political issues. And I think if I read that study right, they were on both sides of the issue because the point wasn't just to get you it was just to, to think so vac- discord. Yeah, they just want to stir up shit so y'all get mad at each other, which we're good at. And yes, everyone and it worked. Um, <laughs> anyway, this, so that's my stuff. There is uh, there is a pastor named John Kilpatrick. He is of the Church of His Presence in Alabama. <laughs> and here's the thing. A couple weeks ago, or maybe a week ago, there was a video posted by their church on their Facebook page or whatever. Uh, and what they all did in the clip is that they started speaking in tongues. Cool. And that, that alone cool. isn't necessarily weird because we've seen it before. It's right. weird on its own, but not new. 
And the thing is, why were they praying in tongues? They were trying to pray against the, quote, witchcraft that is trying to take America back over. Back over? Back over. Yeah, the witches are back. And they're coming after Trump, and it's part of the deep state or whatever other right-wing buzzwords you want to use. they took over. Yeah. So they're all praying in tongues. They're all saying the Jesus gibberish. And Kilpatrick is like just egging them on. You know, tell the church that so far Trump has been dealing with Ahab. Jezebel's fixing to step out from the shadows. That's what the Lord said to me. Was that you speaking in tongues? Yes. Okay. So anyway, uh, they did not pray for like the immigrants who have been separated from their parents. They did pray for Melania. So, you know, all that matters. Sure. So anyway, this clip goes crazy viral because this guy's insane. And the whole church is like, what the hell are you people doing? So the funny thing is over this weekend, after this video goes viral and people are like, who is this pastor leading the witchcraft people? Uh-huh. Uh, Kilpatrick, I think, was kind of embarrassed. What? I think he saw these like, oh, I'm going viral. Sure, I can spin it to say that means our message is being seen by more people. But at the same time, every article's like, watch this crazy shit that goes on in the church. I'm sure he realizes that's not good. Like, not all publicity is good publicity. So he gave another sermon, and this time he kind of talked about, like, let me tell you about how it went viral. And, oh, my God, I got all these messages from people who are like, look at this. Uh In a good way, he means. But then this is what I found interesting. Here's the thing. If I would have released that, that clip, which I had no intention of doing, yes, he did, it was a sermon on his website, Uh it was just a Sunday morning sermon to me, you know, and we just ended up by praying for President Trump. That was home cooking, you know, that stuff they always do. That wasn't meant for anybody else. But whenever it hit and went viral, I had to say, well, you know, the Lord evidently wanted this out, tongues and all, because, and this is where I am important. First of all, gross, tongues yeah. and all. Because I would have omitted the tongues. Because, you know, I mean, I'm a Pentecostal preacher. I'm a revivalist. I speak in tongues. I'm not ashamed of it. But, but if I was going to release something like that, I wouldn't release that, you know, for the world to look in and see that because they don't understand that kind of stuff. Like, you people are too dumb to recognize what's going on, so I shouldn't have shared that with you. Because now you have ammo to call us dumb. Yeah, I mean, it feels to me like that's sort of a... Like, yes, he puts it online, but he doesn't expect anybody to see it, much like his podcast. (laughs) Um, Yes, I empathize with Cole Um, I mean, that does feel like it's a personal thing to me. I really don't need a bunch of people weighing in on how I I speak in tongues. Here's what I don't like about that. He's like, all these secular people basically saw it, and they mocked me for it. The thing is... No, no one else in that church understands it either. I know that because the people who used to speak in tongues who are now atheists Uh have said the same thing. They're like, no, everyone just does it. And then you go along with it because the peer pressure is there. And you can, there are people who were former Pentecostalists who can speak in tongues now. If they can get in the right mindset, they could do it all over again. Uh And it sounds like they know what they're doing or what's coming out of their mouth is uncontrollable and it's God speaking through you or whatever. So weird. But they're like, if someone else in your church is saying stuff, it's not like you're interpreting it. Right. It's not like you just sit there and think, well, they must, God must be doing something. We're all making noises now, I guess. It's all noise to everybody. Just because we're the ones saying, look at this noise that they're saying, doesn't mean the people in their church, it makes sense to them. They're just part of the cult. They 
feel it. They think it. <sighs> so anyway, I just found it funny that he's like, let me explain the speaking in tongues thing because you weren't supposed to mock me for that. You were supposed to hear all the Trump were saving him <laughs> oh stuff. Oh my God. Okay. Kind of hilarious. That's a lot happening now. <laughs> um, I actually have some listener mail. Oh wait, I got oh, one more thing. I thought you told me you had I, one more thing before. I don't know. The So... You know how every time there's a survey that comes out and they're like, we are the nuns. We are the religiously unaffiliated people. Yeah. And it's kind of infuriating because... We need a better uh, name. If, well, if it comes to things like, do you believe in heaven? It's like, well, 12% of the nuns believe in heaven. It's like, well, the atheists don't. Yeah. And the agnostics pretty much don't. So who are these 12%? And it's... It's all the people who are like, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Yeah. I don't have a religious label, but I, I believe, believe in, in organized religion. Yeah, I believe in spiritual stuff. Right. Gwyneth Paltrow's my spirit animal, whatever. <laughs> it's those people, and they're lumped in with us, and it's infuriating because you're skewing our numbers. You know what uh, I mean? I wouldn't say infuriating is the right it's word. It's infuriating to me. Because again, they don't belong in my category. I hope somebody's keeping a list of things that make <laughs> Hemant mad. <laughs> because it's nothing that I would expect. It is this and 11-year-olds. It's skewing statistics and 11-year-olds <laughs> claiming they got a bachelor's degree or they have an associate. Still pissed off at that kid. Okay, so the Pew Research uh, but not Center. skewed numbers. The Pew Research Center. They did an interesting thing where they said, look, here's data we have from December. It's recent data uh -huh. where we talked to a bunch of people across the religious spectrum. But instead of breaking it down through our normal categories by, by even... And by the way, the problem with lumping us all into nuns is also kind of the problem they have. They can't lump everybody into Christians. Yeah. Because there's too many of them. So they separate them. There's the black Protestants and, you know, white mainline Protestants and white evangelicals. Uh -huh. And, like, you have to split them up because it'd be silly to lump them together because there's so many of each mm -hmm. and they're so different. So they get to separate those groups. Right. They don't separate us at all. So, anyway, they did a different analysis where they created new categories. Oh, cool. Yeah, just to see what would happen this time around. And this time, here's the thing. They're not going to use this in the future. It was kind of a one-off. Let's give this a shot and see what we learn. And this time, if you look at the non-religious, the typical nuns, what they did is they said, let's separate this into the religion resistors. I don't like organized religion, oh. but I think, and I do think organized religion is a problem, even if I believe in some, some of that stuff myself. Uh -huh. They're typically liberal. They're typically Democrat. They call them the religion resistors. Uh -huh. Then you have people like us Ooh, what who have no religious beliefs. We reject new age, I supernatural say we're stuff. Resistors. I know, I know. So it got weird. But we're we're further down the spectrum here. Okay, um, we are the solidly secular. Oh, we reject all okay. the supernatural bullshit. I'm here for right? that. There are other categories included the spiritually awake. You believe in some kind of religion, but it's not necessarily categorized. There was the relaxed religious. I go to church. I don't really go every week. I know. They opened some beers over the marketing but, <laughs> table and just rattled these off. And then when it comes to the very religious people, uh -huh. here's how they separated them. There's the Sunday stalwarts who go to church every week. Oh Faith is a God. big part of your life. You're active and involved with your church. Then there's the God and country believers who we would typically call the right-wing religious so right. I'm so in love with these categories. <laughs> and then there's the diversely devout, which is their way of saying, like, the black Christians. <laughs> like, they're <laughs> spiritual, they believe, uh, they're traditionally religious, yep. 
but they don't necessarily like spend every waking hour talking about God. Sure. But they are active in their congregations. They're diverse. All right. They so, love okay. alliteration, huh? They did in this particular one. So anyway, they split them up into these groups. So now, now, me and you and probably a lot of the listeners, we are all the solidly secular. Dottie's category would be devil dog. Nice. nice and wasn't that nice good? Down there. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what they Dottie, found. Get out of there. Here's some of the interesting things. Um, when it comes to, and by the way, uh, let's, so they said, how many of the old categories fall into the new categories? So when it comes to evangelicals, only 36% are like the stall, Sunday stalwarts mm-hmm. who are all about faith all the time. Only 23% of evangelicals are the God and country folk who are the right wing Trump supporting uh-huh. Christians. When it comes to atheists, all of us are solidly secular and a handful of us are the religion resistors. Uh-huh. Um, so that's interesting. So our category, it's like, it's all of us minus the nuns that we don't want. Now here's what, here's the important part. So yeah. what is it about the solidly seculars? What can we learn compared to the average and compared to the other religious groups, the, the solidly secular, we are more formally educated There are more of us who are college graduates than any other group. Mm -hmm. 45% of the solidly secular have a college degree. Doesn't mean we're smarter. It means we went to college and we're stupid enough to get debt. It means we're also smarter (laughs) and more educated and have less money. And have less money. There you go. (laughs) So uh, more college graduates. We make more money than any other group. 46% of the solidly secular have a family income of $75,000 or more. Okay. That is bigger than any other group. The diversely devout, uh-huh. which is more the minority religious people, only 11% have hmm. family incomes of 75000 or more. So we're richer, in theory, yeah. than all the other groups. Um, we are way younger. That is not a surprise, I'm sure. Yeah, that's right. Um, 29% of us are, 18 to, are under 30. Oh, 29%. Compared to, like, the God and country believers, that's 13% huh. at that age. So we're younger than everybody. We are overwhelmingly male. Like, it's not even close. Wait, really? I know. I know. 65% of the solidly secular are male, two-thirds of us, compared to, like, it's close to 50-50 for, like, everybody else. Wait, where did that extra chunk of women go then? <laughs> yeah, no, we kicked we kick them out. Uh, 79% of us are over, are white, overwhelmingly white in our category. 79%? 79% of the solidly secular are white. And that is more so than any other group. Okay. Um, (laughs) Well, then we're bucking all kinds of trends because we're over 30. You're brown. I'm a lady person. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Richard Dawkins is like the mascot for the group and we don't (laughs) represent like any of us. We are also, (laughs) by the way, we are not necessarily the most Democrat That was interesting to me. The religion resistors, who kind of sometimes believe in Uh the nun stuff, 78% of them are Democrats. 71% of us are Democrats, which I had to think about for a little bit. Okay. But I do know a lot of atheists who are as infuriated, like, who are like the, I'm conservative, I'm a libertarian. Oh. Well, that accounts for all the white men. A handful of which. Because that's what libertarians do. Be white men. So there's a lot of, there are 14% of us are conservatives, uh, but most of us are Democrats. Don't at me about libertarianism. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Oh my God, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. 
Um, so, uh, by the way, the Pew Research Center also included a quiz if you want to take. I just found myself like, do you believe in this? Do you believe in this? Do you uh-huh. believe in that? I just was I like, no, that. no, no. And then they were like, you're at this end of the spectrum. You are solidly secular. What? Um, so it was a short, quick <laughs> quiz if you want to know which group you belong in. <laughs> so, yeah. So the news that's not really news uh-huh. is that when you disassociate us from the nuns and just look at the solidly secular, I don't believe in any of this bullshit mm-hmm. sort of group. We're young, rich, white, educated, formally, and male, which fits every stereotype of an atheist you've ever heard. Wait, did they, did they, <laughs> did they do a poll on smugness? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are also these. I, the I would, smuggiest group. Smuggiest, I would smuggest. argue that the God and country believers are equally smug, if not more smug, but yeah, we're pretty damn true. smug. I also want to know what we drive. Well, it's easy. Priuses. Damn right All we do. <laughs> I don't drive a Prius. All right, Tesla. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so rich, Kevin. You take your $75,000 and you buy yourself. One third of a Tesla. There you go. So anyway, uh, interesting. I w- I'm very... I asked them, actually. Tesla, I'm like, are you guys going to use these breakdowns for anything else in the future? And I didn't get a response back from the Pew people because they made it sound like we just tried this once to see what the analysis I mean, would look like. But otherwise, it's kind of hard uh, to... If you want to know how people vote in the midterm yeah. elections, the solidly secular isn't as helpful as just saying evangelicals voted this way. White, white evangelicals, fine. Nuns voted this way. That's kind of what everyone cares about. Right. I mean, I would would even be interested to see this once every five or 10 years just to see how the population shift. Like, I I care a little bit less about, like, what these people think and how they're voting because I feel like it's pretty. Um, I didn't mention this. This might be relevant. 17% of Americans Uh are solidly secular. 17%. So that's not just atheists, which is a smaller group, but the ones who are just, I don't believe in this stuff. I don't care what you call me. But so I what's Christianity? Is it still hovering at like fifth? Um, the the highly religious. We are talking thirty nine per forty percent is okay. highly religious. Thirty nine percent and thirty two percent are somewhat religious. That's not that surprising. But like overall, all the non religious people, uh-huh. uh, it was twenty nine percent, which is in line with all the numbers we've seen right. with the nuns. But I was actually surprised. 17% are solidly secular. They don't believe in any of this stuff. Good for us. That's higher than the numbers I've, I'm used to seeing. Now, so, now what percentage of those people listen to our dumb podcast? Uh, zero point. Thank you, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it's, it's within the, the realm of, what's it called? With the margin of the margin error. Margin of error. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's point oh oh one. Um, Cool. I have... Are you done with that? Yes. Okay. Um, I have... God, this is sort of a bummer note to end on, but that's okay. Um, so, uh, I have listener mail from Aaron, who just... How did he send this? You just, like, copied and pasted it to me. Where did it come I, from? I, I don't know. <laughs> did they just, just, like, text... Appears. Did he just text you? Um, so, Aaron says the following. <clears throat> Considering the case of abuse out of Pennsylvania represented what the church was confronted with, how many were not included? Uh, the ratio of reported rapes hovers from 35 to 50%, and those that go to trial are even less. As such, how many more are out there uh, just in Pennsylvania? I'd like to hear your, your and Jessica's opinion. This is obviously to That's you, a, Yeah, it was a good question. If we know the Pennsylvania grand jury reported, they said we have 300 priests, yeah. and there were over 1,000 victims. Right. What percent of victims aren't included in that report? It's a fair question. Yeah. And And the whole nature of that question is, well, we don't know exactly how many people are not 
molested. Yeah. You know, because they wouldn't, they didn't report it. These are just the ones people were willing to say. Yeah. So I, so the reason that the equipment wasn't set up when you got here, Hammond, is because I went down a bit of a rabbit hole of looking at statistics. Yeah. I always do my research Look at you. right before you get here. Um, <laughs> So uh, I wanted to check his 35 to 50%. Aaron, I'm not trying to like, yeah, where call you from? out. I just wanted to verify it on my own. So I looked at RAIN, um, which is a, uh, a network for sexual abuse survivors. So it's actually um, less than a third. So 310 out of every uh, 1,000 rapes are reported, which I tried to dig into that. Like, how do we know how many go Maybe unreported? these are people who say this has happened to me, right. but I didn't go to the police about it. I that didn't must... say anything to and it. And God, so the people who have never said that it happened to them is... Is probably way more. Right. Yeah. So, um, and around uh, 167 out of 1,000, so about, about half of those lead to an arrest. Um, so that's about 17%, so 17% of people who, according to the statistics that we have and our best guess, evidently, um, 17% of rapists are arrested. So... okay. Um, and so that's kind of an interesting stat. And I wanted to compare it to other violent crimes. So violent crime, crimes in general, there's a 45% arrest rate. Oh. So it's significantly lower for, for sexual assault. And no, keep in uh, mind, the for the Catholic Church specifically, the reason we know all the stuff in the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report is because, remember, they had access to files within those dioceses, yeah. within the churches, because someone reported the allegations to someone at the church uh-huh. They took a record of it. Yeah. They did something or didn't do something with it, but they had the record. So those are things people told them about. And this is the problem. How many... Well, we don't know about what priests did to kids if the kids don't want to share those stories or don't know... Or maybe they think they're the only one or whatever. Yeah. And, and I, I think also... Ju- this I, is what they had a record of. Imagine yeah. ones they either destroyed... Or the ones who never came forward. Never came forward, and the hope is that this sort of publication inspires more victims to speak up and say, "This happened to me." Yeah, uh, this is going on now. If that's the case, and maybe they come forward and share their stories too. That's one of the things you kind of hope happens from this. Yeah, I'm. I'm really kind of waiting with bated breath to see if this kind of reporting, you know, or this kind, this kind of deep dive into another state happens, I would be very curious to see it happen in Illinois, not only, well, really, just because I live here and grew up in a really Catholic area, and both my families are Catholic, and I've heard echoes of whispers of of abuse that happen, whether at the hands of the church or whatever, but it's just something that I think we, as a culture, need to do a better job at coming to terms with, because the the rate of it is astounding. It's just it's 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 beyond anything I could have ever imagined. Like how bad I thought it was is nothing compared. There's a scene in in Spotlight when they talked about like oh how many how many I don't remember if it was how many victims are there how many perpetrators are there. They're like what like ten twenty and they're like thousands and that's like the moment in the movie where it's like how fucking big is this? Yeah. And I have that like every other day like how big is this? Um, and it's scary, and I, I don't know, it's, I, I hesitate to say, like, I am, I'm not glad that it's happening, I'm glad that it's coming out, because I think, you know, the reason we do what we do isn't just because we don't believe in God, but it's because we 
see this pattern of it's really easy to commit abuse and abuses of power when you're telling somebody, specifically a child, that like God is telling you a thing. It's very, very easy to take advantage of that. And I, when, when somebody's telling you to do a thing and they have no one to answer to besides God, what are you supposed to tell that kid? Like, how are you supposed to reconcile with a kid that, like, yes, there is a God, and yes, he wants that priest to, to touch you inappropriately, and who are you going to go to because God told him to do it? So I think this sort of absolute power is really, really dangerous, and now we're seeing how dangerous it really was and really has been. Um, and so, God, I don't want there to be more victims, but I know that there are, and I hope that they get their, to- their story told, and I hope people learn from their mistakes. Not mistake. Um, excuse me. That was terribly phrased. I hope people learn from their experiences, and I hope yeah, yeah, yeah. we as a society learn from the mistakes of putting people in this kind of unchecked power, is what I meant to say. Yeah, and, and the church says they're doing better at that, but again, we won't Fucking know. show me the receipts. Right, right. Bait, judge them on their actions, not what their words are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hammond, uh, anything good going on for you this week? We're coming uh, up on, It's Thursday? Hey, look at it's that. It's nice out. Early. It's going to rain all weekend. Lovely. Labor Day weekend. No, I'm excited about Portland. That's all I got going. Yeah. Ugh, I'm Sweet. jealous. I was just in Portland. It was great. Um, I, thank you for asking, am on a... <laughs> the thing is, I just look in your direction. I didn't say it. Sure. But I it's looked. an audio format, so I do think that people expect words out of your mouth, but ugh. I'm no expert. Um I am on this really good media kick right now. I'm reading books that I really like, and I'm watching a show that I can't stop watching, so I'm very excited. So I'm watching Endeavor, which is a British procedural (laughs) comedy, a crime drama that takes place in the 60s. It's a prequel to, I guess, another one that I've never seen, but it's 90-minute episodes, and I don't know what it is, but I'm fucking, like, entranced by them. It's just, like, people... It's just a it's just a really good show. I'm really Where enjoying it. It's um I was like streaming Netflix? on Amazon oh. Prime. I think it's on it's like a masterpiece theater type oh, deal. Okay. And I also started. Re- Do you know the show Outlander or the books? Do you know either of those things? No. Okay. So it started as a book series. It's about a woman in the 1940s who gets brought back to the 17th century Scotland. 16th century does. Scotland. Fuck, I can't remember. Like right around the Jacobite Revolution. Okay. Um, and I watched the show and it's sort of like a romance show. And I was like, Oh, like I like the show, but I bet the book's kind of cheesy and I just didn't have anything else to read. So I tried it. It's like an 800 page book. Fuck. I devoured that. It was so (laughs) good. It's so well-written and so vivid. I really enjoy. And like, it's just one of those things. Like I haven't one in a series or just a one off. Um, no, it's one in a series. So I finished the first one last night and like literally immediately like smashed download (laughs) on number two. I I was like, I'm going to read 1984 next. I should read it. And I'm like, no more romance. (laughs) More romance for Jessica. There you Um, go. So anyway, I want to recommend those two things, Endeavor and the Outlander series. Hammond, where can we find you? I'm at HammondMetaFriendlyAtheist.com. We need to wrap this up. It's so fucking hot in here. We had to turn the air off. We did. (laughs) Patreon.com slash FriendlyAtheistPodcast. You can find me on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E, or Instagram, uh, Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-Y. you got to do that. Because I started that shit 10 years ago. I didn't know anybody would ever follow me. Why? Stupid to keep the same email address and stuff you had in high school. Yeah. (laughs) has the same email address when he was like (laughs) 16 years old. How did you have Gmail that early? 
I'm on top of my shit. That's well, why. not so much that you like. <laughs> yes, my Twitter handle is something stupid, and but my email is my fucking name <laughs> at Gmail. Anyway, um, we'll see you is next that week. it? Yeah, sure. we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.